Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess Vetters. And I'm Colin Lamone. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share a favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience <laughs> that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is making a good NPC. But before we get into that, Colin. Yes. I I have to admit something to you that oh. I'm not proud of. Okay, alright, well, I'll prep myself. Tonight, I started watching a new anime. What? Are you not proud of yourself because you started watching a new anime or because it took too long for you to get around to watching a new anime? Oh, neither. It's absolutely about the series that I have chosen to watch. Oh, okay. All right. Well, ah, mm-hmm. uh, what what series? Well, let me let me give you the premise first. Want me to guess the series? <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm not gonna make you guess the series. I'm just going to uh, step into this to make it seem as good as possible before I tell you what it actually is. So, in the first two episodes, a Boy at a high school, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's anime and it's always a high school. Sure, boy at a high school, uh, I get it. Is desperate to get a girlfriend. Desperate to get a girlfriend, yep, that, oh, so far, tracks. Yeah, and at one point, as he's walking home from school, mm-hmm. this girl that he doesn't recognize, but who's wearing his school uniform, comes up to him and asks him out on a date. So he's very excited, and then the next day they go out, and they're having a delightful little date, and it's very nice, and... She takes him to this park in front of a fountain and says, to commemorate our first date, there's something that I need to ask you to do for me. And he's like, oh my god, she gonna ask me to kiss her? Is this the big moment? And she's like, I need you to die for me. And she stabs him in the stomach. (laughs) Ah, And ah, then, a flyer for a maid cafe that he was handed earlier uh, activates a magical summoning circle and brings forth this demon girl who is also a student at the high school which he attends and she brings him back to life saying now you live for me and then the rest of the premise is he becomes like a demon servant person where he's like part demon and there's something within him that makes him special because anime Uh, And he meets a whole bunch of other demon high schoolers that he pals around with. Now, Okay, all right. So wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I have to back up here on this one. Did the school always have like a like a like a secret demon population that that attended it? Or is that something that just like recently happened? I must say I'm not that far into it. But the main demon girl is a high school senior. So theoretically the demons have been there for maybe like three years okay so but that is that is normal so he has just gotten to the stage where he can recognize that some of the high school students are denizens of a lower plane yes okay well that's cool all right now from that how do you think this series is uh you say, from that description, how would I yeah. grade this series? Yeah, like, how, how interested would you be to watch something like this? Uh, 
I'll be I'll be honest. The the high school trope does not appeal to me as much as it does to some people. I mean, like it's unavoidable in some cases, but the whole we're in a high school only now we're werewolves, or we're in a high school only now we're vampires, or we're in a high school only now we're an assortment of demons. Um, that that doesn't draw me in. So I'm not the best person, I think. That's fair. Now, what if I told you it's a really perverted harem anime? I would... And it's totally self-aware that it's a really perverted harem anime. I, I feel like you could go one of two ways on the high school anime trope full of demon girls. Either it is exactly as you said a harem anime or they could get real dramatic and serious but with a bunch of fan service but they just went the real harem anime route and you know what i'll, I'll oh, say yeah. i'll say it i'll say at least they're using at least they're using demons you know there's there is you know a lot of literature and uh mythological precedents for demons to be involved in that sort of thing you know, it's true, and it takes away some of the impact when you realize that the main character is trying to mack on high school girls when you realize that they're not actually high school girls, and any single one of them could eat his soul at a moment's notice if they wanted to. Yeah, but he keeps macking on them anyways, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? At that point in time, you're already dead once, so it didn't take that time. Why would it any other time? Of course. So, uh, but yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I've, I've, I've got a question to follow up on, but finish your thought. Oh, I, I was just going to segue the hell out of that because it has done its job and eaten up about six minutes of talking. Oh, I have to stop you before you segue completely. <laughs> Would you Bring it on. run a D&D style game in a high school setting? Your characters, all the adventures take place within the scope of a high school. And then you just sort of codify your adventures based on uh, school schedules and things like that. Would you do something like that? Now, that's kind of a trick question because not Dungeons and Dragons, but World of Darkness, you and I have played a game <laughs> like that. And it was one of my favorites until it got super weird, oh. which I will reiterate was my doing it really was your doing that's that's fine I, I guess i was thinking more specifically about like the D D various classes that you were in how you could kind of how you could weave the the meta of uh of classes and feats into the structure of school and teaching and still have it be a viable game and the more i, mean, I absolutely would the, yeah it's like the more that i talk about it the more it becomes less of a joke and more of like how would i do that 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 could be very interesting in, a, in an interesting sort of meta take on things. Huh. Well, one of the things that you would have to get into would be like the functional, un like in-universe differences between, say, a sorcerer or a wizard. Because both of these are arcane spellcasters whose magic comes from very different places. Exactly. So a wizard, like wizards are the nerds of the D&D world. Yeah. They literally get their power by studying more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So it, I think you could also make an argument for a very interesting cast of teachers, which is part of our purpose for this episode and the creation of NPCs. Absolutely. Actually, I think this would be a really interesting way to tackle this topic is if we like you and I right now off the cuff 
think about what would make this particular cast, this group of archetypal Dungeons and Dragons teachers in a adventurer high school, interesting characters. Sure. Uh, was not prepared for it, but fine to do off the cusp. Hey, Let's... man, who's prepared for anything in life? Uh, only the people who actually prepare. Well, and this is also a very useful tool for anybody listening who is suddenly forced to come up with an NPC out of nowhere, because you know your players are going to go into that building that you briefly described because, hey, of course there's a stable down the road, and, you know, I wasn't really expecting for there to be a character interaction, but now you're wanting to talk to the stable master, so you can buy a horse, so there has to be a stable master, so why not? I can come up with that in, like, a minute, well, no problem. Character voice, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. So, uh, before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of creating this, when you are forced to make an NPC on the fly, or even in preparation, where do you begin? Where does an NPC, a non-playable character for those that aren't familiar with game terms, uh, basically all of the other characters that are not the player characters, where, where do you begin? What is the first piece, the seed that grows into the concept? For me, it always starts at function. Okay. Like, I need a shopkeeper, or I need a bartender, or I need a training montage person. I should have just said trainer, but instead I said training montage person, because why say one word when you can say three and then follow it up with 38 words explaining that choice? I mean, also, uh, but yes. also it might not be as entertaining to roleplay training session by training session by training session. That might be one of those things that you do montage. Absolutely. It's why training montages in movies work, because nobody wants to see, like, a solid hour of Rocky where it's just him in the gym punching a slab of meat over and over again. Right, we only so need a little bit of that. that to four minutes. Okay, so you and begin... Play Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> that's, that's what gets them really into it. That shows, you know, you know it's time travel when there's music to go along with it. You should always have Eye of the Tiger queued up on your phone or computer or whatever you're using, just in case a training montage comes along. Like, that's just solid DM 101. I mean, that's that's basic information. Of course. But you were asking me a question. Yes. Uh, so you begin with the function. You specifically need an innkeeper, and so from the word innkeeper, from the function of an innkeeper, you build a character. I think that's very interesting. I start with a different, a little bit of a different direction. Um, I'm always kind of thinking of possible characters that exist in the world, and what I actually begin with is um, a, a personality quirk, voice... Or, um, or uh, I guess you might say function, but I, instead of a job function, I would say a narrative function. What this character means in the scope of the narrative, not necessarily what they do. And from there, I decide what job or occupation or anything they would be best situated within. I think that makes a lot of sense, and that allows you to add some um, verisimilitude rather mm -hmm. to your world, where things just feel a little more fleshed out. Right. Uh, I 
I'm kind of of the I'm kind of of the opinion. Not, you've talked about doing this too, where you make a lot of NPCs that sometimes people never even meet, but still in your own head they're having their own adventures. There's such a thing as like DM investment in the scope of your world and the characters that exist within it. I have seen games where you know old Joe Ale Handle Tavern NPC is showing up to Hello Adventurers. I'm here to give you your quest. If you like my voice, come back and have another quest on the house. And that's really everything that you put into the the NPC. They are there to be kind of a a quirky, attention grabbing, um I'd say sort of just a narrative function in order to segue into the next part of the story. Whereas some people would would say approach it as I'm Joe Alehandle. Once my father was an adventurer, but unfortunately for me, I I don't have the stomach to go out there. Literally. The stomach was cursed away from me long ago. There's only a void within my throat these days. And you, adventurers, you can return to me what I have lost. <laughs> I want to go on that quest. I want to find Joe's stomach. Oh my god. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he's... All right, that's our first NPC for this. He he gets to be the cafeteria worker. I love it. <laughs> Old Joe Alehandle. <laughs> he works in the cafeteria because all he really knows is food. Just because, like, he can never actually swallow it. He just tastes it. Right, exactly. He has no idea how filling anything no, is. Nothing. So oftentimes you'll get meals where it's like, hey, this is like 90% carbohydrates. I am going to feel so bloated in sorcery class. Why did you do this to me? Yeah, exactly. He has no, no, but he can taste and understand the taste of poisons, but they wouldn't affect him because they go to some other extra, uh, you know, extraordinary oh, dimension. Shit. So he can, you know, it's an adventurer party. It's an adventurer school. So, you know, that, Poison is a thing that can happen all the time. They've got assassin classes there. So he That's can true. taste that without any of the danger, well, most of the danger, associated with the poisons. Oh, man. How many little shit kid assassin classmates do you think have pranked Joe by just dropping some poison into his drinks? I mean, tried to, tried to, this is poison. The whole batch is spoiled. You know, we, it, it it would be it would be interesting, uh, especially because we could get into what happened to old Joe's stomach and and really why he wants to get rid of this uh, this interesting power that he has to consume without limit. Well, I would imagine that he is uh, he's a very emaciated man who is probably not the healthiest of people. Probably not the healthiest of people. That could very well be it. Always carting around like a. Like a fantasy IV, yeah. just pumping fluids into his blood. Well, I mean, it's a uh, it's fantasy stuff. So like curative spells and things like that. Constantly, just has to rely on on the cleric department. Oh yeah, and he could have like a long, long time ago just had the curse broken by some powerful cleric, and then just you know a little bit of lesser restoration. Eh, bing bang boom, your stomach's back. Right. It might be greater restoration now that I think about it. Right. Of course. Not the point though point is that gives you a lot of backstory with old joel old joe ale handle not old joel ale handle too many l's in that name 
that would get tricky to say. Uh, only if you try to say it fast. Just just remember to old Joe ale handle. Mm. You just gotta, gotta really hit those D's. Yeah, yeah. If you if you try to go through it too fast, if you try to run through it, you're gonna trip. Yeah, very fair, very true. But I guess circling back out of this specifics of of this farcical situation, um, DMs sort of get attached to their NPCs, and and why shouldn't they? We have to remember that a that a DM is there to present a situation for the players to engage in. But if all they're doing is saying, and here are the stats, and my role is just to roll and tell you damages and stuff, although it can work for some people, for me personally, I can't think of a more boring situation than just uh, analog communication. Where I get the most fun out of running a game is by being these NPCs, by building their stories and seeing how the PCs interact with them in order to move along the plot or to engage within the plot. That's my chance to have fun during the game is by being all of these different people, not necessarily by just being like, and here's the pile of dice and you're dead or, you know, whatever. Oh, absolutely. And like, I think we've said basically this sentiment before, but if you want a role-playing game without the characters there are about a hundred different combat simulatory board games that you can go and play that already have all of that set up and you don't need a dm very true I'd... but if you actually want to get into storytelling and character building and progression from session to session then that's what rpgs are great for a dm's job is to create the environment that is evocative and interesting enough to continuously have you come back to that table and part of it is creating interesting npcs to engage with to understand to even have emotional investment in and i know there might be some people listening they oh no emotional investment is a trap a dm uses emotional investment to squeeze the emotional life out of you no um emotional investment is kind of like one of the only ways you can really 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 get deeply into a story and if you've got like a dm that constantly uses you know emotional investment to just like bash you over the head uh, just blunt force trauma you out of a game, then you might talk to them about the other uses of emotional investment. Uh, you know, how many how many interesting stories have we had of somebody who was willing to put their life on the line because of the threat of possible danger that isn't immediate? Like, the orc army might run through these lands, but then, uh, my, but then my family, where will they go? My They're family. not... They're not like well, they're not directly in. They're not like directly in danger. Nobody's holding a knife up to their throat specifically in that moment, being like, "Drink the poison or they die." Um, you've got, um, you've just got the eventual possible threat of their situations changing, and that can usually be enough to motivate a player character into kind of a very noble based storyline. You know, or you yeah. could be emotionally invested in a really negative way. You you hate. The you hate the older brother of yours who is is ready to inherit the throne. And I'm the older brother who is ready to inherit the throne, and I will plunge my country into a state of great inequity and hoard the cash, all of it. You know, it, 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 whatever. Either way, yeah. you you can take. Emotional investment is your buy-in to the storyline. 
And that usually incorporates being connected to other NPCs. I know there is a popular trope of waking up with no memory or the wandering swordsman that shows up to the town and doesn't have any connection to nobody, so they can definitely cut people down and not feel bad about it. But those characters are kind of super boring, at least to me. Um, there isn't anything that motivates them outside of what they personally control. And and so there's not a, let's see, there's not a, uh, a sense of climax uh, a sense of a sense of threat apart from or threat to them of bodily harm right or stakes there we go stakes tasty well, tasty stakes there's an old writing adage that i heard long long ago that essentially says there are only two stories a stranger comes to town or a man takes a journey and while when it comes to like adventure tales there is some truth to that like every basic story can be boiled down to someone has come to my place or i have gone somewhere new right that's not every story and like that precludes so many personal journeys that a character can take that lead them down several different wonderfully branching paths because like did you get invested to, or did invested in, I should say, the cleric who just wants to help the poor, or the necromancer who wants to raise her family from the dead? Mm-hmm. And, like, depending on which way you go with that binary choice, which isn't a binary choice at all, I just only gave two options, like... Those lead to wildly different stories if your DM is on top of things. Very true. Very true. And now s- shall we continue our nice little exercise? I was just about to segue into that. Speaking of nice little stories, it's your turn to come up with an NPC. So I've been bouncing around in my head which would be the most interesting teacher to tackle next. And I think if you started with the cafeteria running old joe ale handle i'm gonna go for the principal oh all right yeah and for an administrator i'm thinking you want someone if we're taking this into like a D sort of fashion mm-hmm. someone who is built for leadership sure so i'm gonna say the principal is a paladin Ooh, ooh, okay all right someone who uh is there to administer justice but is also there to make sure that everything is orchestrated smoothly and you know you keep everybody in line. All right, paladin of be, what? Uh, um, well, okay, thinking about like fifth edition where you've got the different um whatchamacallits, the archetypes within the classes. Mm-hmm. I believe the main oaths that a paladin has are um vengeance, justice, and I really should have just gone and grabbed my player's handbook, but you I'm should've. not gonna do that now, and something else. Um but I feel like taking it toward the um taking it toward the vengeance path would be hilarious and interesting hmm. because what would a vengeful principle look like and to me that speaks to someone who has been wronged by their students before but they are dedicated to the job so they're not going to walk away from it they're just going to rule this school with an iron fist and make sure that there will be no hootenanny and there will be no troublemakers in my halls 
I shall strike down upon you with the heat of a thousand suns if thou darest step out of line again. <laughs> Casting your minor illusions to make it seem like the art teacher had farted? How dare you? I believe I'm going to call him Percival, but I think Percival is going to be his last name. I think it's Jodrick. Principal Jodrick Percival. Jodrick. All right, that's a name. Yeah. See, one thing that I like to do with fantasy names is basically just take two other names and smush them together. So, like, John and Patrick. Jodrick. That's fine. No, I mean that's that's legitimate. I guess I guess so. You're you're talking about like the possibly the principal from those high school movies that had like the main character, usually the prankster, just like prank them one too many times, and they've turned from like the nice principal into a principal of of yeah. vengeance, smite. Yeah, this this is a Ferris Bueller style style principal, where like he's not necessarily the villain of the story, but he is. Almost an antagonistic force while being someone you cannot directly antagonize to the players. Like the villain of the moment. Yeah. He is a nice obstacle between the players uh, having their most fun life and living what is ordained to be their best life. So, if he's a paladin of vengeance, which means his oath is to the... Uh is to, like, the recompense of crimes, what keeps him in the administrator role. I thought that we could take, you know, a slight dig into that, and it might be into his teaching philosophy. What if our character, our friend, our Jodrick, uh, considers the state of the world to be, uh, to be one of disorder and a lack of education, and his position as an administrator is in vengeance against a world of what he'd consider to be the unenlightened. And so he approaches education with a passion. You must have this or you're part of the problem and thus part of the, the vengeance that I must strike. He believes the children are the future, but he doesn't believe that it's going to be a good one unless he kicks some ass. Perfect. That, that sounds good. That sounds great. All right. I'm on board with this. Principal Jodrick Percival. I also feel like he's definitely got a soft side because he is the one who's hiring people like old Joe Alehandle. Yeah. Where it's just like, no, I can certainly see your utility, old Joe. Come along. Let's get dinner. You're cooking. <laughs> he's definitely that guy, too. I feel like he's he's like he's young. Uh, He's taken over from the from the last principal that used to be you know, that, that used to be running the school, and he has a lot mm. to, to sort of change around. And he's, yeah, he's, he's more of a force to change. Film. Yeah, exactly. The The last leader of the school was uh, was maybe more, was, was possibly more hands-off, but it was still a very successful school, and he's more of a hands-on person, so he's got his work cut out for him. I like it. I like it a lot. Perfect. Excellent. Now... Let's talk. Uh, so we've got an antagonistic force. We've got um, old Joe Ale Handel who uh, doles out quests every now and then. Um, yeah, I mean, he basically serves as our tavern keeper. Yeah, exactly. 
that's that's really his main his main purpose. Um, let's talk about a mentor NPC. A mentor NPCs are important. They don't necessarily have to give you quests, but they serve as sort of a a moral centering point, an anchor by which your characters can gravitate around. They can either be stronger than the player characters, or they can be much weaker, but at one point in time, they need to have been in a position of power that is greater than the position or similar to the position the, that the NPCs have now. The, the mentor needs perspective so that the PCs will be inclined to listen to that perspective. Right, and that power that you mentioned, that doesn't necessarily have to be something like magical prowess or physical strength. That can come purely in the sake of, or in the form of, experience. Like, if you're dealing with a crippled old fighter who just scraped through one too many times and now he can barely hold a blade, this is still the person who knows pretty much what it takes to be a hero, or to be an adventurer. This is the person who is guiding your players along in such a manner that things should turn out all right. Right, exactly. And kind of going on this, um, on like our, on our, on our naming conventions, uh, our naming conventions here, um, I think this person will be the physical education teacher, uh, mm -hmm. who is an old school fundamentals fighter named, uh, James or Jimmy, sometimes Gilgarok. Ooh, Gilgarok. Now, is Jimmy Gilgarok, perchance, a half orc? I think that would be a good way to uh, a good way to present it. Or really, let's 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 dip a tiny bit into the subverting the monster trope. Make him a full orc. Ah, so Jimmy is maybe more of a, a name that he chose for himself. Yes, absolutely. It's not uh, Gilgarok. Is his uh, is more of his actual name, but orcs perhaps in this universe they only have they only have one name uh one like one Madonna. well like one given name and then the titles sort of differentiate so like gilgarok the skull crusher gilgarok wyvern strangler you know that kind of thing and now he's gilgarok the school marm right but he doesn't want to take on a name of the enemies that they would theoretically be facing so he chose jimmy now he's James or Jimmy Gilgarok. I think Jimmy is a great non-threatening name for like a giant scary looking dude yeah. to choose for himself. Incredibly brutal looking. I'm going to go ahead and imagine him with uh with an eye patch and a broken tusk. I think that's perfect. Yeah. And he's In fact, I would say the more scars you can fit into Jimmy's description, like honestly just add a new one every time you talk about him. But it's an old weathered scar that's always been there. It's yeah. just like the light hit him in a different way. And now you notice that there are these three gashes along his neck from this time that he tangled with a wolf. Yeah, you know what? That would actually be a very interesting way to frame um, any new scene where where Jimmy Gilgarok would be in. Where you, you notice another you notice another scar and you know, you can be prompted to ask him about it and have a new story, and the story will have a surprising uh, relation to the current adventure that the PCs are on. And in that way, you don't know whether Jimmy actually knows exactly what the players are up to and has just 
decided to tailor his stories that way, or if literally he's had so many different adventures and these scars that in the context of their schooling, they're noticing the scars that have stories that relate to their situation, where the DM, you as a storyteller, can kind of drop, uh, can kind of drop in sort of a a moral lesson on on how to do things, or or when things weren't didn't appear as they should, as kind of a a tip of a tip of the hat, a little hint that things might be not straightforward in the next adventure. Now that said, can I make one real quick little suggestion for Jimmy? Go ahead. Or, uh... Our phys ed teacher here. You yeah. said phys ed, right? Yeah, phys ed, or what I would call physical fundamentals. Sure, yeah. Um, my thought with that, because Jimmy sounds like he's going to be a bit of a storyteller. Yes. If you've got to make a sheet for Jimmy, mm -hmm. throw a level of bard on Yes, him. absolutely. You know, maybe he's mostly a fighter, but maybe he's also a little bit of a scald, you know? Mm -hmm. Likes to tell his war stories. Yeah, I think I think that would be a perfect. I think that's a perfect way. Uh, that's a perfect way to go about it. Um, and he he is someone that has a I think kind of a what I would consider to be a love hate, possibly adversarial relationship with the with the principal. The principal, Paladin of Vengeance, is used to fighting, you know, orcs who are stereotypically looked down on as uh, as morons. Uh, in the world outside. And so there could be this sort of interposing of the authority of the mentor figure as the phys ed teacher and the authority of the principal uh, clashing together and, and kind of the, the, the interplay between expectation and what that means. I like this. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Now tell me a little bit about Jimmy's personality because sure. we know that as the mentor character, he has to care about your player characters. Absolutely. Now, what that care looks like is hugely variable. Yes. Uh, I think uh, I think that Jimmy is, on the surface, a no, uh, kind of a no-nonsense, a very extreme sort of personality, someone who's, someone who's like, all right, today we no longer simply climb ropes. I will set fire to the bottom of the rope, and if the flame will reach you upon your journey upwards, there will be nothing for you to grab. You must climb fast, for the world will never slow down for thee. You know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, Mr. <laughs> Gilgarok, how do we get back down from the ropes? You swing, child. Swing and leap. That is our next lesson, how to land without breaking anything. Okay. The cleric. You also have to. Yeah, go ahead. You got to put like a pimply teen in there mm -hmm. who just doesn't really. He's not really into it too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, someone who just keeps taking commoner classes. I love that because in context, that means two completely different things. I know. Either he's like a level 30 commoner. How? <laughs> or there are literal classes yeah. for commoners. I think that's actually a very important thing that we, we should have is we've got classes. Why not have classes as classes in a certain sense? Oh, yeah. So so some of our characters, you might still be in a first level assassin class that 
the assassin character is in and you bring a bard into, they're not necessarily there to multi-class, but to have an appreciation of the assassin's role within a party and a, and a system like that. So you can still have the player characters kind of have their own adventures together and see each other's kind of like way of life. But the classes are you actually go to your classes. Yeah. I think that would be a perfect way to handle that in a, in a kind of a delightfully meta sense. I mean, it would be incredibly meta, but I think people like that sometimes. They sometimes do. If it's handled the right way, if it's not too, like, ham-fisted, um, I think that... Chicken-fisted. Right. That, yeah. Specifically, chick, uh, possibly beef-fisted. Mm, okay. But then you could run into some issues with uh, with some, like, heart trouble. Uh-huh. Some you know, bullheadedness. Too much dark meat. Ooh. God damn it, yours was good. Oh, yours was good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm in rare form tonight. Rare form. I like it. I've been out punned. Ah, good. This, this will be one of the few times that that actually happens. I, and now that I'm discussing this, I realize that at about, you know, 37 some minutes, this, this is going to need a part two. We've only gotten three teachers in to our project. Do we want to do this next week, too? I I think we have to. I think we owe it, if not to our listeners, to ourselves not to leave this unfinished. Well, and this also gives us the opportunity to, like, divvy up a couple of different roles and actually take some time to prepare. So that lets you, our listeners, see, all right, how do I come up with something off the fly? What sort of things do I need to think about? And, like, the function and the base personality, the, the sort of things that we just threw together very important you need to know like yeah how will they speak how are they interacted with sure if you have time to prepare things that's when you can get into stuff like what are the stats like if mm -hmm. you're going to have your characters spar with jimmy gilgarok you're gonna need to know how hard jimmy gilgarok hits yeah i'd say but also it gives you time to say like okay we need a magic teacher what would be the best sort of teacher to have here? Like, actually take some time and think about it. I think what we can also kind of get into next um, next episode is a little bit what the arcing plotline would look like in a certain sense of what how adventures would be codified within this school scenario, which will help us decide on the role of NPCs. Colin, you realize what we're doing here? Uh, building a campaign? We're building a campaign, and you know what? This is basically like a little bit of supplemental material for all of you out there. If you want to run our D&D &D high school campaign once these episodes come out, mm -hmm. I say go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. My my only, my only rule is please tell us about it. I mean, I also kind of want to run our D&D &D high school campaign, yeah, so maybe? I expect there to be like a Twitter hashtag at some point or at least Instagram. I have to think of a good. Send me a picture of your character sheet or something. I have to think of a good and appropriate name for what we would call the supplement. D and D High School. That's way I'm just too thinking on the a, a theme song. Okay, right all right. If you come up with a theme song, that would be great. You know what? I do have this very nice microphone, and I do have a guitar. Yeah, of some variety. I do it. I think I might be able to throw together some kind of D&D &D high school theme song 
by next week. Ah, uh, that would be great. I'm I'm on board with it. All right, so I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> This is sometimes where improvisation takes you uh, in a place where you didn't plan to be, and now you have to put a bunch more work into it, but then it's really fun. So it's fine. It's so much fun. Right. So uh, I don't believe that we have time to get into creating another NPC, at least not one to do justice. But so just to kind of go over what we have so far, we have old Joe Ale Handle who is kind of our, our tavern keeper variant in our lunchroom. And our lunchroom is set up like a tavern. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where old Joe Ale Handle is, who does not have a stomach, but instead a, a pit to nowhere. Um, and he wants his stomach back. It's the stomach that his father gave him, and it's the stomach that he wants to die with. I mean, literally every stomach is the stomach that your father and mother gave you that's part of the joke that's 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 part of the joke don't examine it too closely um i examined it too closely you examined it too closely yeah you did um joke (laughs) uh next go ahead jess then you've got principal jodrick percival a uh by the book and hard-knocked paladin of vengeance who uh really just wants to make sure that everybody is kept in line because if you are not following the rules perfectly mm. you are down a an inevitable road to corruption that yep. will lead to the inevitable destruction of the world oh exactly you know he, he wants people to graduate with the skills not only the skills but the mindset necessary to bring justice vengeance and uh, a better world to the outside environment he's going to be a really interesting one for your chaotic good or heaven forbid chaotic neutral characters Mm -hmm. because that whole like slip into chaos is just his worst nightmare yeah completely especially someone who wants to be good but doing so in a way that is not by the prescribed rules yeah no i'm with you and And, finally and finally we have james Orr to his friends jimmy james is i think what uh what Percival would call him. Yes, but I think James or Percival would call him James because Principal Percival is kind of uh he's got kind of a stick up his ass. He's passive aggressive. Or like No, I couldn't think of a joke on that. God damn it. No, it's, it's okay. I'm in you are in fine form and <laughs> I'm falling apart. That's that's fine. Sometimes that's the way it goes. But so Jimmy Gilgarock, who is our our mentor. Uh, who gives? Uh, who has a, a necessary class? The physical labors that an adventurer would be expected to any adventurer, whether you are a whether you are a wizard or you are a frontline fighter or barbarian, the natural dangers and physical problems that you will have to overcome in the outside world once you, once you hit graduation. Jumping over a lot of pitfall traps. That's right. Climbing a bunch of ropes, um, avoiding traps in general. Uh, Can I make a real quick interjection? Yeah, please. Who the hell builds all of those pitfall traps in dungeons? Ah. Like, one shows up in every dungeon, and I can never figure out, one, how it's supposed to fit with the floor plan, and two, why anyone would build that. Uh, You know what? I think there's a good way to uh, tackle that. Make that a, a teacher in shop class. 
He's just obsessed with pitfall traps. Yeah, exactly. Obsessed with pitfall traps. Like we're we're talking we're talking somebody who really who wrote the textbook on pitfall traps. A huge name in the construction of of dungeons. This teacher's name synonymous with most modern dungeon modern and even dated dungeon construction. Uh, studied under the the first innovator of the pitfall trap mechanism and absolutely swears by it. That way we can and kind of explain to both ourselves and to others. Delilah Pungy. That is, that like, is... Like Pungy Pits. Pungy like the spikes pit. that you fall onto when you fall into it. Somebody out there got that and they like that joke. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, we're not going to describe that character right now. That'll be next episode, but I'm glad that we no, put I'm, it down. I'm, I am claiming Delilah. Pungy no, no, please right do. Now. No, that's fine. She's mine. Now, I want you to explain to me why those pit traps are necessary, and you'll have to do that through her. I will do my best. But we've got Gilgarok, who uses his many, many scars uh, to help explain to PCs sort of bits and pieces of uh, DM-infused lore on the challenges that they are currently facing or are about to face, which is just coincidental enough that it seems like, huh, it's, it's almost weird that we talked about that this time, but at the same time, not so unbelievable that there's no way that that really happened in that story. All the stories are believable, but all the wisdom is sound. Now, what I like the most about Jimmy's scars and the stories that he tells about them is that it actually fits into something that is very true about teachers in general, mm. where like every school has a couple of those teachers where if you get them talking about whatever it is they're passionate about that's not the class, you just completely skipped the entire lesson because they just went off and talked about it the entire period. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> perfect. And I really feel like Jimmy's the sort of teacher who is in there like, all right, everybody, we're climbing ropes today. And they're like, hey, Mr. Gilgarok, I never noticed that weird burn scar on the back of your left calf. Will you tell us about it? And he's like, oh, of course. Put the ropes away. You won't need ropes where we're going. Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> that's got to be the end. That's you're right. That that's the end. Oh, no. Where we're going, we won't need ropes. On that note, oh, this has God. been uh, this has been Dodecahedron, Dodeca Podcast. I'm Colin Lamoth, and and I'm Jess Vetters. If you are interested in what we have created, want to run anything, want to run anything for it, or think that our ideas are lame and we are lame by extension, please let us know. We'll respond to that uh, on our next podcast. Jess, you want to give them the deets? Absolutely. You can send us an email with either your questions, your comments, your concerns, your fan art, your fan drawings, your fan music, your whatever, your, your social security number and date of birth. Your fan you can death send threats. Us anything you, ooh, uh, no, I would prefer that we don't receive any of those. Um, but if you want to send us something like just short of death threats, maybe like really uncomfortable tickle threats you can send those to dodeca podcast that's d-o-d-e-c-a podcast at gmail.com you can also like us on facebook at facebook.com slash dodeca podcast thanks so much and from everybody here at dodecahedron we want to wish you a good time we look forward to seeing you next episode bye